Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start out with prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that your hands in our lives, God. You obviously see what's going on in our nation, and we know that you are in control, so we bow our hearts and our heads to you and say that you are our God. You're God supreme, and it's through Jesus Christ that we get to have a relationship with you, and we're grateful for that. Today, as we speak your scripture, we know that it's word, that it's truth, and that it's life, and we stand upon it, and we're grateful for it. God, let it pierce us and change us and make us like you, and everybody says... Amen, amen. Hey, we've been doing a lot of teaching. We want to say thank you so much for tuning in via YouTube and our live stream. I'd also like to uh, bring uh, one other, uh, some other people back here in the media. You can't see those guys, but let me tell you, they have been working, working, working. <laughs> Let's give them a round of applause. Amen. They have. Uh, Bandy's joined us, and uh, she's just got a whole group of volunteers, and I'm telling you, they're amazing amazing people. But we've been doing some stuff around here. Uh, we don't only want to preach courageous faith, but we want to live it. Amen. So we're going to talk, uh, we're going to read out of Hebrews. Uh, to catch you guys up, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, to catch you up, week one, we talked about how faith is a way of living. We want to be people here at Ray of Hope, and we want other Christians, of course, but we can speak about ourselves. Uh, we want to be people who live according to faith. Amen. This is a way of living. This is not an figment of an imagination or an idea, but this is the way that we want to live. That's what we talked about the first week. We also talked about how our confidence is important. Our confidence produces endurance, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but that's important to our faith walk. We also talk about how this is something, oh, it was so good. I've got so much out of the last two weeks. Not that I don't get every time we, we get up and preach, but man, i got so much that the substance, it just rang true, the substance that I stand upon, my faith, is based off of Jesus Christ and his words. Oh, man, just I've heard it before, and I knew it, but it was so great that first week to get that back into my heart. Week two, we talked about how we live in an unstable world and need a firm foundation. And it's truer now than it ever has been before. I was reading a little meme, and uh, one person was uh, outside looking like this, and the, the tagline was, I go out now every day looking for what part of Revelation is about to unfold in our nation. And it's true, it's true, right? Uh, we also talked about how our faith activates the unseen, that there's an unseen world out there that we want to embrace. It's that second dimension. We want to feed our faith and starve our fears, amen? Starve those fears, that's what we talked about. And also, we don't want our fear to sabotage and dictate our future, amen? We, want, we know that we have a future in Christ. Am I too loud? I don't want to be too loud. Uh, I think we may be having a little bit of problem with the monitor, and uh, I want to make sure I'm not yelling too loud. But here at Ray of Hope, we want to have uh, not only a congregation, but as ministers, as staff, we want to have that strong faith. Uh, a strong faith that we found out don't need to be replaced by a nutty professor, right? Uh, or a 25-year-old news anchor. <laughs> uh, or restrictions. But we still have our faith and we stand strong in that. Amen? There you guys thought I was just sitting over there not listening. I've been listening. We've been listening, heard it a couple more times. Uh, our podcast, we would like to thank our podcast listeners and our internet listeners. Thank you guys so much. But I've been listening to that the last couple of weeks. We know that our faith is built upon the rock, that it will endure situations and disappointments, hardships, traps, and unexplainable situations. A faith that's acted upon that will turn the drunkard into a sober. Amen. 
that will turn a life of prostitution into a life of a woman who loves Jesus. That's what we're learning about in Hebrews. How we can take a life where we lie and all of a sudden we desire integrity and self-respect. And that's the faith that we're talking about. A faith that when other people look at us, they, they engage in the Word with us because they see that it's real and that it's true and that it's deep. It's the passion that we want to bleed out of our lips lives. It's not just merely things that we say, but it's in our life. It's what we do. Amen. And that's our goal with courageous faith. And it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage. Let's begin by reading our text here. Hebrews 10, 35-38. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you, will need, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. For yet in a little while, and the coming of the one will not delay, but my righteous shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. See, we want to have that faith that, that, that Scripture talks about here, the faith that will refine the believer, that may rekindle the believer, or for some may ignite a non-believer. Amen. I was talking yesterday, I had an electrician come by my house, I talked to Ronnie, I said, I have some electrical issues, what do you think, um, you know, what, what do you think on this, and he explained some stuff to me, I couldn't get it figured out, uh, I'm not an electrician, I look like uh, a Frankenstein, whenever, <laughs> that's, uh, so I need to call somebody, okay, so my electrician came over, and uh, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, he came in and fixed it. I went upstairs and got ready, and God began to speak to me. And he said, Matt, he said, I want, to talk, I want you to talk to him about inviting him to your church, and I want you to talk to him about my relationship with him. And I thought, Lord, are you sure he's on by the hour? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> doesn't he need to get in here? <laughs> you get out of here? <laughs> he's on by the hour. But nonetheless, I got through getting cleaned up, and I began to kind of follow him around, almost like, and Papa Duck, you know, I was learning stuff. I began to visit with him and said, where do you go to church at? And he said, well, we have church in our house. And he began to explain it to me and some different things. The next thing I went into, how's your relationship with the Lord? And it was just a, I don't really want to get too deep into it, but it was just steps and steps. And before it was all over with, I found out that he, he, he attends a church home and he doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. The only reason why he does that is to support his wife. And I was able to leave him with these words. So I was able to leave him with an invite say, hey, listen, you'd love our church. It's great. And I was also able to say, if you want to support your wife the, the best way you can, you need to invite Jesus Christ into your heart and get saved. And know that we'll have a place for you where you can learn and grow. And then that was it. You know what? It was off of me. I did what the Lord said. I invited, I loved, and I encouraged. But I had to share my faith. I had to share my faith because it's inside of us, right? We have this out let's take that opportunity that's the kind of faith that we want that will ignite in people and rekindle courageous faith is the faith that reflects the continuing relationship with christ that's the reason why it's so important to us because as we grow in our faith we grow in christ when i was a young man uh, probably 16 years old a teenager you think you're a man at that age but you're really a teenager my dad bought a pool table now if you in the pool or think it's from the devil i apologize it wasn't at our house we had a lot of fun uh playing pool and different things like that uh didn't really symbol anything outside of me i'm getting drilled by my dad on a regular occasion so we'd wake up early in the morning he would have to leave for work he worked in the oil field he'd wake up about 4 30 or 5 and I, he got to the point where he'd wake me up and we'd go play a quick game of pool before he left man he used to beat me 
every, every morning nearly. And then on Saturdays, we'd come home and we'd find ourselves get caught up and I'm a competitive guy and he'd beat me time and time and time again. Oh, and I, I, I'm not much of a loser, man. I'm not very good at losing, but he would beat me. And there'd be times I'd get so mad. I, I remember I looked at him and I said, it's your you're beating me because you have the best pool cue. So he would swap me pool cues and beat me again. Oh, I even got madder. And I want to this pool pit and just hit you upside the head with it. But I never did. And the evidence of that is I'm still here. Yeah. And I don't, I don't walk funny. Okay. Because he would have handled, handled the situation. But I, but I hated to lose. And, and through that situation, I understood that quitting would have been easier. Oh, but guys, when I finally got around to beating my dad, oh, it sure did taste good. Because I knew that I had actually won, that it wasn't given to me. And quitting is so much easier. And I believe as we read this scripture, this is the first thing that Paul says. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Why would he lead out with that scripture unless he understands that it's much easier to quit than it is to go ahead? My first point is throwing away our faith is easier than showing away to our faith. This is a fight that we're in. Make no mistake about it. If there's anything that I've learned the past couple weeks by watching TV and watching people do evil things, what I've learned is it's much easier to be a part of the crowd than it is to say, I will not do this. It's a lot easier to say, I'm going to quit and just do whatever I want to than it is to say, no, I want to pick up my cross daily and bear it. I want to show people the way to Jesus Christ. Horatio Stafford, a very well-known hymn writer. It is well with my soul. We are very familiar with the story. Lost a son. Lost, or had financial ruin happen, then lost three daughters. And he's traveling past the, that place where he lost his three daughters in the ocean on a liner. And he begins to write the song, It is well with my soul. And that's the kind of faith that we want. It's the kind of faith that Jeremy Camp has whenever writes the song, I still believe, as he's watching his wife in his first marriage die of cancer. Not understanding. It's the same kind of faith that we see Joseph Shriven having. The young Irishman joined the military. He had hopes of joining the military. could not because of health issues. He's, he's on his way to meet his bride the day before the wedding. He runs up upon an accident and finds her in the bottom of a creek bed, falling off her horse. Eventually moves on with his life and moves to Canada and finds a new love. Just a couple weeks before his second marriage, his wife dies of sickness, or his future wife dies of sickness. He, he writes a poem to his mother that they publish about ten years later. It's prayer without ceasing. And in that letter, he describes his relationship with Christ, and he, he describes what he went through at that time, not giving up. Now, we today know the song as, What a Friend I Have in Jesus. That's the kind of faith that we hope to get. That's the kind of faith that we want to walk in. A couple of lines from the song, Oh, what a peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Having a faith that I believe in a God that I can bring everything, my faults, my failures, my successes, my anxieties, my frustrations, that I don't have to take them out on objects or people, but rather I can take them to a God who cares. 
And I don't have to be weighted down and miss the plan of God in my life. Instead, I can take it to a God and say, let me cast all my cares upon you. Because my job is to show people to the cross. It's to show them the life of Jesus Christ. And sometimes by getting weighted down and choosing to walk in that life, we're choosing the easy way out. It's much easier to stay in bed and not do anything than it is to get up and go to work. It's a lot easier to be mean to somebody when they've been mean to you. It's a lot easier to say something rude when the rudeness happened to you, amen? But to pick up that cross and have that faith and say, no, I want my life. I don't want to throw my faith away. I have confidence in you, Christ. I have confidence in your word and what you said and who you are. And Paul's warning us here, listen, it's easy. It's easy to throw away that confidence. It's easy to throw away. Pastor, I asked him for permission. Pastor shared a story about Maasai natives. And it began to get me thinking down a line. And he was talking about how uh, last week, and of course you guys know, but he talked about that word faith and how it related to a lion and how a lion could smell and, and could see and hear, but primarily, now they primarily do it by seeing, but they can hear and smell from miles away. So I did a little bit of study, and I thought, I wonder if, if that's just a regional thing or if that's how lions operate. And, and sure enough, lions can smell up to miles away before they ever see their prey. And it began to think about what Peter wrote about the devil. Okay, so in, in 1 Peter Five and eight, very familiar. It got me thinking the difference that I thought before. Uh, Peter begins right, he says, Likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. And in our world going on today, that is completely contrary to what we're seeing happen. We're seeing a bunch of people who want to do what they want to do and forget what happens. But Peter's saying something different here. Likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders... All you be submissive to one another. And then he goes on to the next step. He says, so you're going to obey your elders. You're going to be submissive. Then he takes a third point. He even goes deeper. He says, listen, be clothed with humility. Okay, then he goes on and he reminds us that God resists the humble, or, or he, he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And then he goes on even deeper and he says, so once again, humble yourselves. Okay, I'm telling you the reason why. Humble yourselves. And then if we skip down to verse 8, he continues to say, listen, be sober, be vigilant. And then he goes on to say, resist him, be steadfast, resist Satan, and be, what does he say? Steadfast in the faith. What have we been talking about? Being steadfast in our faith. Now, I begin to think about this. I begin to think if, and then he goes on and he says, uh, but uh, grace who called upon us have suffered to him be the glory of all. Now, he, he, he says, listen, the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, why does he tell me to submit, to be humble, to be sober, to be vigilant? It's all things that people that are lost in the world don't do. So I am no longer, whenever I choose to be sober, and village it, that means I really care about what's going on. It doesn't mean I have all the answers, but I'm trying to understand and seeing how all this stuff is playing together. How, how I'm remaining steadfast, steadfast in the faith. What, what's happening to me is I'm not becoming the prey that Satan can identify. If I'm using language, excuse me, if I'm using language 
that is not scriptural, then I'm talking the devil's language. Okay? Now, if, if I'm walking in fear, then the devil can spot that because that's his world, that's his realm that he lives in, and he's really good. Now, now Christ or, or, or God knew before the Bible was written what lions were going to be like. So whenever he chose to use him as an example, he's saying, listen, don't be a target for Satan. Don't be a target. Don't act like him. Don't speak like him. Because then he can't, he, then, because we're already marked in the spirit, but we don't become a target for him. Does that make sense? We don't become the prey. Because he roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is a predator seeking for the prey. And Peter is trying to say, don't be the prey. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to get attacked, but don't be the prey that he can win on. Uh, let, me, let me go on here. Psalms 37, Psalms 37, 5. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass, or it shall come to pass. Now, I, I've mentioned this before. That commit word means to wallow in, okay? Now, what you wallow in is what you smell like, amen? A pig smells like a pig because it wallows in pig stuff, Okay? So, if I'm acting contrary to God, if I'm speaking contrary to God, and I'm wallowing in it, I'm committed that way, then I smell like it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm handing Satan the perfect tool package to destroy our life. Because I look like him, I smell like him, and I act like him. He can tell from a hundred miles who's coming. That's the reason why Peter's saying, no, don't do that. Be vigilant, be sober, care about what's going on. Guard your heart and guard your life, and, and be steadfast in the faith. Coming back to what we learned about week one, steadfast, I'm going to take the words of God, and I'm going to put them under my feet, and I'm going to stand on them. Now, all of a sudden, and if I'm going to do that, I'm starting to quote Scripture, amen. I'm starting to quote the words of God. Now, all of a sudden, I no longer become a target. Instead, instead of the defender, I become the one who advances the kingdom. Now I'm coming into battle with my shield and with my sword and saying I'm going to take back what the devil has stolen. I'm going to watch some people get saved. If a guy's coming over to fix my electricity, he just might get saved before it's all over with. Because I refuse to be scared. Because whenever I walk in fear, the devil can smell it. Now it doesn't mean we're perfect. So we don't want to act like a target. Amen? Sorry if I'm shouting too loud. I've really learned a lot. Of, I mean, this has taken me down a journey. Now, the second thing that I, I notice, the second message that I get out of this is courageous faith is continuing faith. Okay, courageous faith is continuing faith. Check this out. Verse 35. Therefore, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now, this really stuck out to me, okay? Confidence, so we go from confidence to endurance to the promise. See how it continues? Continue, a courageous faith is a continuing faith. I'm going to go from confidence to endurance, so I'm going to go seeing what God does, and it's beginning to stir inside of me, and then I'm going to do some things that he tells me to do, and then I'm going to realize that my confidence is going to build because I can trust what he says, despite how I feel or how I think I can trust him. Because remember, he's, a, he, he's on a different level, a different dimension than I am. And then all of a sudden, I realize that that worked out, so I'm going to keep walking and keep walking, and the endurance builds up, and it doesn't matter what people say. Right? I've made up my mind that I'm going to continue 
the walk. And that's where we need to be as Christians. And then we walk in the promise. Now, something that the principle behind this is ultimately, the, the, the big wide view is ultimately salvation, right? So we're convinced that Christ is who he said he is. We're going to walk out our life, and one day we'll get to be in heaven with him and see all of our loved ones. But we can also apply this to day after day after day. How do I know that? Because Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, worry about today. So when I get up today, I need to be praying, God, I need confidence in you. I need the endurance today because you have a promise for me today. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to accept it. And if I, work in, if I walk in your confidence and I continue to endure, and the scripture is very clear there, it says we need endurance. We need endurance. Why? Because bad stuff's going to happen to everybody, Right? So we need endurance. So we see that a continuing faith is a courageous faith. Why? Because we go from confidence to endurance to uh, the promise. Now, confidence is gained by attempts, right? The more you attempt something, and the better you get. If you go back to the pool analogy that I gave you before where I shot pool with my dad, I would get a little bit better game after game after game, and finally my confidence built up after I beat him a couple times that I could beat him more than just a couple of times. All right? Well, it's the same thing that happens. I didn't think I could do this Christian thing. I didn't think I could walk. I didn't think I, I trusted God enough to sow in my tithes. I didn't think I trusted God enough to read Scripture over my family and know that it would work. But you know what? The more that I give and the more uh, th th that I see God's Scripture working in my life, the greater my confidence is. There's no way I'm going to turn around. There's no way. Confidence, endurance, and the promise. So many times in our culture today, I see it time and time again, we want to take the struggle out, and I don't want to get on a soapbox here. I was speaking with a lady, and I gave her this analogy. I said, whenever we take the struggle out of people's life, and I'm not talking about, there's some struggle that needs to be taken out, but the attempts, when we take the attempts out of people's life, and we, 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 we don't teach them about failure. Failure's a good motivator. <laughs> it's a great teacher. It, it's, like, it's like a man taking and cutting down a tree with a hand axe and deciding there's got to be a way. I don't want my son and my daughter to have this. So what I'm going to do is cut down enough trees and save up enough money to go buy a chainsaw. Now I can pass that chainsaw on to my son, and now they can do the job quicker and make more money. They're still working. What we see in our culture so many times is I'm going to chop down the tree. I'm tired. I'm going to go buy the chainsaw. I'm going to cut down the tree and give my kids the money and then expect them to know how to handle it, but yet they haven't gone through the failure, the frustration, the aggravation of the process. Because I promise you, if you've ever chopped down a tree with a chainsaw or by hand, there is a process to that. And halfway through it, you're thinking of whether you even want to be a part of the process or not. <laughs> right? When I first began to cycle a little bit, I, I was on a, a bicycle in Wichita Falls, and a guy talked to me and said, we're going to go out on about a 10-mile ride. So I, I get on the, the bicycle trail, and it's about a 10-mile stint up to a dam that was built into a, a, a lake there, and there was an enormous headwind coming. So I'm aggravated. I'm frustrated. I hate the guy. I hate the bike. I hate the wind. I hate, the, I hate everything. You know what I mean? Have you ever been there? This is all. But when I got up to the top of the hill, man, it felt good. And then it sent me on a destiny where I went from 10 miles to 20 miles to eventually 65 miles. But if he said, I'll tell you what, Matt, I'll just ride the bike for you. You go up there and wait on the dam. I'll hand you the bike and you just raise it up. Wouldn't have taught me anything. 
wouldn't have taught me about the different gear work that you have to do, that there's a wind gear. <laughs> and then there's a gear when you're going down the hill, and that's, the brakes are there for some reason. <laughs> you know, It teaches you these processes of life. And whenever we take out that struggle, we take out the understanding that there's a continuing faith, that not everything is going to work out like we think it's going to work out. But the miracle is God takes that situation and still works it to the good. And this is the amazing, graceful part of that. Is sometimes I'm, a, I'm an idiot and I blunder, and God still takes my blunders and turns it around for the greatness of his kingdom. Oh. Somebody else attacks you, God's got your back. He's going to turn this thing around. But it, I have the confidence in him. I've already walked through some stuff, so the endurance is building, and the promise is God has taken me too far to turn me around. Amen? And that's what we get to do. Check this out. In Matthew chapter 8, we reviewed a couple of stories that we shared a couple of weeks ago. In Matthew chapter 8, we see Peter and the disciples on the boat. Jesus is sleeping, and, and, and they're scared, okay? They're fearful. And this, how we know that is in verse 26, 8 and 26, it says, But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? They're scared, okay? They, they throw their confidence out the door, Okay? They get on the boat, and the, the, the storm happens, and what's the very first thing they do? Don't you care, Jesus, that we die? Have you ever been there in life? Maybe you have some family struggles. Maybe you have some financially struggles, and you're like, God, where are you at? You know, I've been hawking prayers at you for the last two weeks, and it feels like they just come back and bounce off my forehead. Where are you at? These disciples felt like that. And they verbalized it, and they said, don't you even care that we die, God? Of course, Jesus gets up, and he calms the sea. But it's very interesting there what he talks about. He says, but he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Now, we fast forward into Matthew chapter 14, okay? The next, here's the next story, Matthew chapter 14. The next story, very familiar. Peter walks on water on this story. Now, this time... Peter gets out of the boat, and he sinks. But this is what Jesus says to him. This is what Jesus, he says, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? The first time he says, why are you walking in fear? The second time he said, why do you doubt? Now think about this. Think about the continuing faith, the leap of faith that Peter makes. The very similar circumstances. We're in a boat together. The storm is blowing. We think we're going to die, and there's no way we can make it to the other side. And if you guys have ever been in a storm, you know how good the other side looks sometimes, amen? The other side's looking really good right now. Peter says this. Instead of saying, Jesus, are we going to die? Because now, I, I, if you go back in, in Matthew chapter 8, you read a couple chapters before that, they're at Peter's mother-in-law's house. So he's on the boat with them. The first go-arounds. It says his disciples, and we can glean from that that Peter's a part of that. The second time, same circumstances, similar situations, except for, except for those six chapters in the middle where Peter's endured some stuff. He's seen some miracles. He's seen Jesus get made fun of. He's seen that he's not alone in the fight. And then this next time he's on the boat, the first thing that Peter says is what? Bid me come. Now, what does Jesus say? He says, come. He says, come. Peter gets out of the boat. He sinks down in the water. And Jesus didn't say you're walking in fear. He says you're walking in doubt now. But is Jesus upset? According to Scripture, he can't be. 
Because he wants to see a continuing faith in us. Peter's continuing faith went from, I'm going to die, to Christ, I really think I'm going to walk out on the promise and believe you. Let, let me prove it to you. In, in, in the chapters between that, in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus is teaching and he says this. He says, come to me, all you who are labored and heavy laden. And then he says these, these lines. He said, when you come to me, you can learn from me. He also says this, he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then he goes on to say, you'll find rest in your soul. What was Peter doing when he got out of the boat? Taking Christ up on his words. You said you'll teach me? Teach me to walk on water. You said you're gentle and you're lowly? Bid me come. Now, I know he didn't say all that, but listen, he was the one being taught all these scriptures. So that step out that we see, although he fails, is really... A great thing to God because he sees his faith continuing to grow. Now, how does that apply to our life? What has God told us to do? What's that next step? And you're going to fail. And Pastor and I were talking about this in his office. How much more clear can it be in Scripture that Christ is going to be there for us? He, he didn't say, you dummy. <laughs> he didn't do that. Now, he did correct him. And, and in our culture, we've got to understand the difference between correction and, and putting somebody down, Right? We've got those mixed up. Well, you're always telling, but no, I'm telling you not to do that because it's dumb. <laughs> There's a difference. Don't stick your finger on the light socket, okay? Don't do that. He did correct him and say, now, you did doubt here, Peter. But what does he do? He picks him up out of the water, which, think about that. Jesus is picking up Peter out of the water. That's pretty impressive. Have you ever tried to lift somebody up off a chair? It's pretty tough. There's no way if one of you guys come up here, I could hardly pick you up and put you back on the stage. So even in that, the physical strength of that's a miracle. But then it says they both, they all get in the boat and get to the other side. He walks him back to the boat. They can regroup. And then their journey stops, right? That's the end of it. No, they go back onto their next miracle. They go back onto their next journey of teaching and preaching and sharing the love of Christ. And we see the continual growth of Peter. We continue to go on and we see the great promise of the Holy Spirit. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Before the Holy Spirit, Peter, although he's in love with Jesus Christ, denies him three times. After the Holy Spirit, he gets up and gives one of the greatest sermons ever preached, and thousands of people give their heart to him. And then if you go on, now was he perfect? No, because if you go on and continue to read, you see his imperfections. Peter, you got some stuff that you need to work out, Jesus told him. He said, if I say it's clean, it's clean. You kill it and you eat it. You do what I say. You don't do what you've been taught and you think is right. And that's hard sometimes because the Scripture is very clear that we do it God's way, not our way. Amen? Listen, a faith without investment is a faith that can be forgotten. A faith without investment is a faith that can be forgotten. Physical investment for eternal dividends. Physical investment for eternal dividends. I don't want a life without investment. I don't want a life that I live that I don't invest to other people because it will be forgotten. It may be good and glory in the moment and, and self-absorbed, but weeks, years, months later, nobody's going to remember. We remember those people who's poured their lives into us, amen? Moms and dads and, and teachers, people who have mentored us in our professions. Those are the people we remember 20 years from now. 
I just want to share this with you, and I want to be careful because, once again, I never got the privilege of knowing Dow. But I'm sitting in the grocery store line, and I'm not going to be emotional, but I was sitting in the grocery store line. And, of course, you can't hardly sit down at the table with Pastor and, and Pastor Ronnie without those guys mentioning Dow in some form or fashion, okay? You just can't, and I love it. And I'm sitting in the grocery line, and all of a sudden I begin to think about, since I've been here even, and I begin to hear about Dow and what he did. And then I have Pastor pouring into my life, and then I have Ronnie pouring into my life, and then several other guys that I call on the phone and say, hey, how'd I do? And we have 15, 20-minute conversations. And, and tears well up in my eyes because I begin to understand that a life invested into others is for eternal dividends. And that legacy will not be forgotten. And it's important because a courageous faith is a continuing faith. Amen? As I read this, the third message that I get out of this is shrinking faith is sinking faith. Shrinking faith is sinking faith. Excuse me. In verse 38, chapter 10, it says, And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If we as people shrink back as we gain the confidence, as we gain the endurance, as we see the promises happen in our life, because promises aren't just heaven, right? God says, I'll give back, shaking together, pressed together, running over. We know scriptures like that, right? We know that if we train a child up in the way that they will not forget about it, those are promises that are for now. So God, I'm believing that for now, and I can't wait to see how that process turns out. And as we see that unfold in our lives, we cannot shrink back. Shrinking faith is sinking faith. Let me ask you a question. What is God telling you to do? What is God telling me to do? Because this is the thing, obedience is worship. And we want our worship and our obedience to rise before our God and be a sweet aroma to Him, amen? In the, in, in the Bible, whenever they had the temple, and they would, they would burn the incense. And it's very interesting doing a little bit of research on that, and you guys probably already know this, but I didn't. But there's a very specific formula for the incense. That, that, that rises as prayers and worship before God. A very, very specific formula. And, and that's what we want our faith to be like. That incense that was burned before God to bring that sweet aroma before Him. It says, we believe you and we trust you. But it was a very specific formula. In our faith, it's a very specific formula. I know there's a lot of different formulas floating out there, but there's one, and His name is Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. That is the formula. And whenever I have faith in Him, who He is, and what He says, I become that sweet aroma. Whenever I choose to look like Christ and not like the devil, right? Let me prove it to you. 2 Corinthians 2 and 15. 2 Corinthians 2 and 15. Now, before I read this scripture, remember, uh, before when we studied about Peter, he said what? He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now, how do we do that? We only do that through the person of Jesus Christ. Very specific formula once again. Only one way. Only one way. And in 2 Corinthians 2 and 15, Paul is writing to his friends and he says this. He says, for we are the aroma of Christ to God. Isn't that neat? Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So as we give our life to Christ and we walk out this faith, we become that incense, that aroma to God. Because it's based off of what? Our faith. In who? Jesus Christ. And what is that substance? It's what he said and who he is. But whenever we do that, we become that aroma. We're not shrinking and we're not sinking. We're continuing to grow. Amen? 
Now, that's important because in Hebrews 10 and 38, it says, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So just like that aroma that went before God in the temple, just like that aroma in our lives that go before God as we continue to be saved in a world that's easier to throw it all away and give it up. What we're doing is we're becoming that aroma. What we do is we're bringing a pleasure to God. If there's one place I want to be, it is in the pleasure of God Almighty. And a steadfast faith leads me there. Amen? Now, let's look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. And then we're, we're landing the bird here, I promise, okay? Landing the bird. Told you I was wound up. Man, there's been a lot of good teaching before this. There's a lot of good stuff on YouTube. And the last couple of weeks, has really, it's really done something. It's been really, really good. Thank you, Pastor, for that. Now, Romans 5, it starts out with, therefore, having been justified by faith. Now, let's stop there. What is the therefore, therefore? Okay, in chapter 4 at the very end, it's just like chapter, in a lot of ways, it resembles chapter 10 and 11 of Hebrews because they run into each other. Does that make sense? Okay, as we learned last week, it continues the thought in chapter, it ends in chapter 10, and then chapter 11 of Hebrews continues that same thought. Here, Paul is doing the same thing as he's writing to his friends, the Romans. And he says, therefore, having been justified by faith. So what's the therefore there? Well, previously, he was talking about a man named Abraham. And I won't read it just for lengthwise. But it says this, but he was strengthened in what? Faith. Okay, he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And, and this is where he goes on. Being fully convinced that what he had, of what he had promised. It's the same thing we see in Hebrews. He was convinced. He had endurance. And what happened? He got to see the promise. Okay? That's the faith that we walk in. And Paul's saying, now since we've seen Abraham do that, that faith is in our lives. It's, it, we're justified through the death of Christ and the raising of Christ. Therefore, since we have established that fact, then we can go on to chapter 5. And he says, And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by what? Faith. We have access to God through our faith in Jesus Christ. But right before that, it says this, we have peace. This is what I want to tell you this morning. Don't let the peace fool you. In the story, in chapter, Matthew chapter 6, I believe, wherever, when the disciples were on the, um, uh, were on the ship the first time. It's in Matthew, I'm sorry. It, 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 on the ship the first time. What happened to them? The peace of Christ fooled them. Think about it. He's in a pillow. He's, on, he's laying his head on a pillow, lying down, letting the peace of God surpass all of his understanding. He, there's no way he's afraid to die. Whenever he dies, he goes back to his first home, his true home, his real home. If he dies in a sinking ship, I think to some degree, <laughs> all right, you know. He's not afraid of dying. He has a peace about him. But the disciples, they threw their confidence the window and said, are we going to die because why? They let the peace fool them. Listen, you have some peace in your life. I have some peace in my life. We see the world unfolding before us. and We see revelation unfolding before us. We watch the news and we try to hide ourselves as much as we can. We, we see some financial times coming upon people, job losses, and, we're, and, and we wonder how we're going to make it. God, we know that you're going to take us through. We have some kids that are probably not being as obedient as they need to be. But yet you sit back and you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Can I tell you that's not laziness? 
Can I tell you that that's, that's not you refusing to look at the reality of the situation? What it is, it's that peace from God that surpasses all understanding. It's the peace because we've chosen to stand upon the Word of God and make that our firm foundation. It's that peace that I get to walk in, possible through Jesus Christ. So whenever I sit back on my couch and I watch the news and think to myself, God, you're gonna, I don't, this is crazy, but you're in control. God, God I don't know exactly in, in that situation what the job's going to look like, but I know that you're in control. My family's not really behaving like I thought, but you're in control. God, I've suffered some major loss, maybe through a person, through something else. And you sit back and you wonder, am I, am, I, am I lazy? Do I not care? Am I denying the situation? Can I say no? It's that peace of God. It's that peace of God that he talks about, that, that Paul talks about in chapter 5. We have peace through, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I don't have an anxious spirit about me. I don't have a fearful spirit about me. Why? Is it, is it because I don't care? Oh, no, no. It's because I've already made peace with God, and he's going to have it under control. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to do what I can and be smart. You know what I mean? But God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust and walk in this faith. Amen. Amen. Would you guys bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.